Well, hello and welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. We are continuing on in our themed series, if you will, all about hope and how God sends hope in different situations that seem kind of dark. And today we have two, actually three incredible treats for you listeners. First of all, we have a different co-host that is kind of exciting this morning. Our friend and team member, Julia Cypress. If you listened to our series on Meet the Team, you know all about Julia already, but a few of you might have missed it. So I will tell you quick, Julia is one of our story curators. She is also our book launch captain. And she is also working on a newsletter that we're hoping to bring out in the future once we get all the bugs worked out, which will take us a while. But um, Julia is hard at work on that. She's an incredible writer and so gifted. But she's also become one of my dearest, dearest friends. So I'm so excited to get to co-host today with Julia. Julia, welcome. I am so excited to be here too. This podcast has been just too fun. So it is my pleasure to get to join in on the fun with you guys. Yay. And then the second and third treat you all have in store for you today is our guests. We are interviewing two instead of one, which is so exciting. And we actually have a he on She Speaks Stories. (laughs) And you know, listeners, we love that. So we are welcoming uh, Abby and Nate Hoff, who are dear, dear friends of Julia. Um, And we will get to hear their story all about hope. But Julia, since you know them personally, Just tell our listeners a little bit about our, our guests before. Yeah. Okay. So I met Abby, Abby, I'm trying to remember 2003, I think 2002 or three, I don't know, 20 years ago. Wow. You don't look old enough to have a friend of 20 years. <laughs> I have to be doing the math wrong. There's <laughs> no way. Yeah. So in college, um, I transferred into JMU. And she was my assigned um, InterVarsity small group leader. And I remember I was so nervous, but I needed to plug in somehow. And so I requested to join a small group. And I say assigned because I was a transfer and she was doing the transfer small groups. But she was instantly one of those people that you just like click with. So we, she was my small group leader and she was a little older, but she was like right away my friend. And from like the get-go, her core value in leading us was for us to know the Bible. Any questions that we had, concerns, stressors, she just brought us right back to Jesus, right back to the Bible. And she was like, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus tell us? And for a college student that was like formulating, this is my faith on my own, I moved out of the house. You know, you're at a, at a place where you're kind of deciding what you believe, not necessarily how you were raised. It just was a rock and a strength for all 10 of us. It was a small group of 10 gals. And she still does that. That's like in our friendship, these 20 years of friendship, she has been that source, that rock, that solid, I can't do this. My kids are driving me crazy. And she's like, okay, well, God provides and he only gives, he always gives us what we need and what we want, all the things, the truths that we need to hear. She is that friend. So I absolutely, obviously adore her. Um, and I'm just super excited that we get to hear her and meet story today. I can't, I can't wait. I cannot. Um, why don't you read like the official bio? Okay. Yeah. We'll dive right into their story. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. Nate and Abby Hoff met at Dallas Theological Seminary and sparks flew. They've been married for 15 years and have four boys. They stayed put in the Dallas area to raise their family where Nate has been a professor at his alma mater for the past, uh, for the last four years. 
In the summer of 2015, their family was slammed with hard challenges. And through them, it brought to light a hard truth. As they walked forward in the discomfort, unknown, and recalibrating, God never let go of these two. Even though it was hard, hope grew. And this enabled them to minister to other people going through similar hearts. God daily brings them closer to him. And hope continues to grow as he reveals how much he loves and he cares. Welcome, 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 Nate and Abby. It's great to be here. It's great to be the he on She Speaks. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're a brave soul, Nate. (laughs) 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 To meet around our little proverbial table and have talk with us. It's it's that is good, Nate. He can handle himself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Julia had told me previously how much I'm just going to love you, Nate. She said you are just so uh, verbal and charming and and wise. And so we're just so glad you would you would come on, both you and Abby. (laughs) And here's what we love to do on this podcast. We like the backstory first. Uh, probably because we're women and we like the details, you know. So can you two just tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, how you met, so kind of backstory stuff. Sure. Um, so I'm Abby and I am actually originally from Virginia. I come from Centerville, Virginia, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. Um, I grew up there. My dad was military, but he retired shortly after I was born. So we got there and I stayed there since I was two. So that's all I knew. And then Nate grew up outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he's from Bethlehem. And we both met in Dallas. We moved to Dallas in 2005. And um, we were both coming out here to go to Dallas Seminary um, to work on our master's degrees. Yeah. Yeah, I know you, I know you all like the juicy details. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we yeah, do. I, so I knew we met, I met Abby our first semester at Dallas Seminary. Uh, we started, I, basically, we started dating our second uh, semester here, and I knew within, like, three weeks that I wanted to marry her, but... That's how seminary works. Yeah, it's kind of how seminary works. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to be one of those, I didn't want to be one of those creepy seminary guys, you know, so I just kept my mouth shut and let the dating process go on, but uh, so we started dating our, our second semester, we got engaged our third semester, we got married after our fourth semester, and so it's just been wonderful. I, I haven't, I didn't realize what a gift I was getting in Abby specifically as we walked through some challenging times uh, over the past few years. So yeah, it's been, uh, been great. And all of our boys names start with J. So you can imagine, you can imagine how difficult it is when you're trying to discipline your children. You go through like, you know, all three names before you get to the actual child. So, yeah. That's right. Their nicknames don't all start with J though, just to kind of keep it well, confusing, just to keep it confusing. Yeah, and then we have two cats, so we might as well talk, tell about them. I accidentally oh saved gosh. one, but that's that's a different story for another She Speaks podcast. <laughs> when you come back, please. Yeah, that's the teaser, I guess. <laughs> I love the boys' names, though. I'll start that. I love that. I have, I have four kids, and three of them start with the same letter. And then one is named John. So I got Mike, Molly, and Matt, and then John. And people are like, what what happened with John? He he didn't rate an M name, you know. <laughs> well, that's what once we got we had our first two picked out like since high school, but then once we got to the third and he was another J, by the time we got to the fourth, we're like, let's just keep with what we know. Like there's there's yeah. plenty more good J names. So we just yeah, went with it. Names, so. I love that, you guys. How old are your boys right now? So they are 12, 10, 8, and 5. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we're we're just getting into the middle school. And don't ever let anyone say boys are not drama. So we're getting into the middle school. <laughs> yeah, drama definitely. So, but we love them. We know there's lots of uh, lots of uh, energy in our household. Lots of excitement. Lots of wrestling. Lots of breaking precious things. Uh, you know th- those kinds of things. So they're all boys. Hello, oh. hello. Yeah. I know. Um, now, so you two, Matt and, F- and Nate, thanks for a little of the romantic detail. Well, you they, like she speaks. You know, I gotta, I gotta play the game. You are playing the game well, yeah, on the surface. Yeah. We like the romance. Um, so you two marry 
but then how did you decide to stay in Dallas and become a professor? And I mean, that, that was big. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's in, interesting story because when I started seminary, I was actually in the chaplain candidate program in the Navy. And I had assumed that I was going to be a chaplain in the Navy, uh, come from a Navy family. And so uh, thought that was the direction. But as I got close to finishing my degree, uh, I thought, you know what, the Lord, maybe the Lord wants me to stay in school a little bit longer and pursue a, a doctoral degree at a Dallas seminary. And that's kind of the path that I chose. So it took me eight years to finish the degree. So a lot happened. A lot happened. Yeah, it took me eight years to finish the degree, which is the maximum amount of time they give you. So, you know, around year seven, they send you an email saying, hey, you have one more year left. You better finish this thing up, land the plane. So uh, so that's kind of how we stayed. And then, you know, you have church, you have kids, you don't intend to stay, but you kind of anchor down. And so we, we just stayed in Dallas. You know, that's kind and of what then, life is. As he got to toward the end of his PhD program, the, um, the program that he was a part of was hiring new professors. And we were like, well, it kind of seems like a really good fit for what the Lord has been leading you toward. And so he applied and he went through the process and he, um, so now he's been hired on at Dallas Seminary as a professor. His, his colleagues were our former, former professors. Like it's a, it's a fun, fun journey that that has been. Yes, it is. I love that. Well, so we should be calling you Dr. Nate, shouldn't we? No, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that sophisticated. (laughs) Gray. He's graying. Yeah. He's starting to feel fit the part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think eight years just showed your perseverance. Maybe, yeah. You know. It showed something. It showed something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it gives hope to all of us that are, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you could be in school forever it takes too. Time. <laughs> it takes time. So you had like obviously this fun, awesome connections, good starts, but we read in your bio that life got a little difficult unexpectedly um, for you guys. So would you just, let's dive right in. Would you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess to begin the story, I'll take you back to 2015 when things really started to become problematic. The whole year was kind of a disaster year. I don't know if any, either of you have had a year that's just kind of, you just wish you could write off in the annals of history And 2015 was certainly one of those one of those years. Um, I was working full time. I had a part time job. I was a full time seminary student. Uh, Abby's health wasn't the greatest. I had been dealing with some depression, so on and so forth. And we actually found out that Abby needed some back surgery because one of her discs or vertebrae or whatever you call them. I'm not I'm not the kind of doctor that helps people. So I don't know. I don't know all the all the scientific technology. But um. I, uh, so, so she ended up needing surgery fairly quickly. And so it was just, uh, one of those just really troubling years. One of the most difficult parts was we lost a a child due to a miscarriage. And so it was just, it was just a really difficult year and it was a little too much for me to handle. And things really, uh, kind of came to a head when I was actually sitting in the waiting room for Abby to get done with her surgery. I suddenly started having these really dark thoughts that came out of, out of nowhere, really, that scared the living daylights out of me. I thought to myself, what in the world is going on? And I knew I needed help. I knew my brain wasn't working um, as, as um, normally as it should. And so uh, I, I ended up uh, just, just really, really struggling. And I thought to myself, you know, who do I go to who do I go to get help? Uh, I didn't know if I should go to the receptionist and tell her that I was in need of help. Uh, I just kind of dealt with it and in, in the waiting room, but all the way home, uh, I was just continuing to have these dark thoughts. So Abby's just coming out of surgery. I'm having these dark thoughts. We're driving home and I really didn't feel like I was a safe person. Yeah. And so when we got in, I told Abby, I said, I'm not, I'm not coming in the house. I said, I'm not coming in the house. So I called one of my friends up and said, I need two things from you. I need, uh, I need you to have someone come over and be with Abby because she just got out of surgery and I need you to take me to the emergency room. And so that's what happened. He took me to the emergency room and uh, we waited for a while there. Uh, finally, I got to see the triage nurse and started explaining some of the things that were going on. And uh, what I was really hoping for was some help, but she excused herself from the room. And when she came back, she came back with a police officer. Now, 
when I saw the police officer, I thought to myself, okay, something's seriously wrong with me. Maybe I'm becoming a terrible person. Maybe those thoughts that I was having of being unsafe are actually true. And uh, through a variety of doctors and whatnot, they uh, suggested that I go and admit myself into a psychiatric ward. And so that's what I, that's what I did. And I can't say it was a pleasant experience, uh, but looking back, it's where I needed to be at that particular point in time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those experiences I, I never wish on, on somebody else. Uh, but looking back, it, was, it, it kept me safe, which is what I needed at that particular point in time. So at the, um, at the psychiatric ward, you know, I looked around and I saw other people who were dealing with mental health issues. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm one of these people. I'm, I'm, I'm going crazy. Wow. I thought my marriage was never going to be the same. I thought my life was never going to be the same. I thought this was this was the way that things were going to be, you know, forever. And I was just scared to death. Um, the the psychiatric ward allowed visitors and I had no ex expectation that anyone would come visit me in this particular point uh, in time. But when the doors opened, I saw Abby there. She had just come out of surgery, but yet she came to come see me uh, in the psychiatric ward and she brought a, a Bible with her and the Bible had a little uh, bookmark in it. And she told me to, to read the passage of scripture uh, when she left. And so the moment she left, I went back to my room and I read the passage of scripture and it was Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, where uh, Jeremiah says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And I just remember I was reading that over and over and over again as I was in the psychiatric ward. And it was something that brought me hope in the midst of a fairly difficult time. So when we, when I got out of the psychiatric ward, I had to meet with a, a counselor and I had to have a uh, meet with a psychiatrist and it sort of started this long journey. That's kind of been uh, a journey of mental illness for me. And, uh, and that's kind of where we are. I'm not, I'm not cured by any stretch of the imagination. The last six years have been difficult for me, but the Lord has been faithful. Abby has walked through me, uh, through this with me uh, in such a gracious and loving fashion and hopefully uh, our story can bring hope to some other people. Absolutely, Nate, wow. A, a couple things that I would pull out of that. One, you did have the presence of mind to know you needed help. Yeah. I applaud that right off the bat. And, and you know, how much of that is the Holy Spirit in you or just the, the wise? Yeah part of your mind that the spirit was leading to be able to clearly see, okay, I can't do this on my own. And listeners, um, so often this is where trials like this become worse and worse is there isn't that, that bit of hope and self-knowledge. I can't do this on my own. So Nate, I love that you immediately called a friend. Secondly, that you had a friend. That you, <laughs> I mean, we're always proactive on this podcast, urging people, get in a church, get in a small group, get Christian friends so that when you do go through the dark times, because we all will, they're not going to look alike, but we all will go through dark times because we live on earth. But anyway, so you had a friend, one that you could be honest with. Two things I need from you. I love that. That is, that's such a man communication too. Like I'm not going to go into all the details, but I need two things. Go over there and do that. Yeah, that's kind of the way I go. I'm a bottom line kind of person. So. <laughs> bottom line, but I love that. Yeah. And, um, and then so tender, Abby, of course you're right at the door. And when Julia described how you led those 10 girls back in college, um, because it's not your wisdom, it's not your love, it's not your hope. Although you have wisdom, you have hope, you have, you know, but here's something even more. And that's the other thing we love to do on this podcast is lift up the word of God and just urge listeners, read the word, hang on tight. But so those are just my comments on this part of the story. Julia. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Abby bringing 
you that verse and that grounded you and brought you through. It kept you going through those times, those days that you were there going, what is happening to me? Um, so I'm curious, um, how else have you seen God's faithfulness in these years where you have had unknowns and uncertainties? The Bible verse was, was there. Are there other examples where God has just brought you that hope? Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting, and my, my spiritual walk has definitely been challenged through this whole experience, and I wish I could say that I was a bulwark of faith through it all, but sometimes when you go through things like this, you start questioning God's motives, you know, and I definitely, especially in the early stages, was wondering, you know, God, are you punishing me? Um, God, is, is this, did I do something wrong? Um, you know, wh where are you? Uh, and so those were a lot of the things that I struggled with initially. Um, but in hindsight, I can see that God was there with me, even in places where I didn't expect him to be. Uh, I, teach a, I teach a course uh, on the Psalms here at Dallas Seminary, and one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 139. Uh, and in that Psalm, we learn that God is in the places you expect him to be, but he's also in the places where you don't expect him to be, you know? It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. We expect God to be there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Well, we don't really expect God to be there, but he is. If I ride on the wings of the dawn, even if I settle on the far side of the sea, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And so looking back, I can see that even when I was in the psychiatric ward, uh, the Lord was there with me, even though I've had struggles since then, some fairly significant struggles, God has been with me. And so when I go when I go through all of the things that God has done, he, he kept me safe through that situation and he's kept me safe. You know, I, yeah. uh, I have suicidal ideations and can become suicidal sometimes, but guess what? I'm still here. He's yeah. kept me safe. He's held me fast. Yeah. Um, he brought me to the right people. He brought me to the right counselor. He brought me to the right psychiatrist. He's given me a great support group. And so as I look at the living this side of eternity where we have various kinds of challenges, I see that God has been with me uh, all along the way. God being in the unexpected, like goosebumps. I'm not even kidding. Like that, it's, that is so, it's so easy to think that he is where he's supposed to be, but how often do we say God's everywhere and he's in all things. So knowing that he's in the dark and the hard and meeting you there, it's just, that is powerful. It's just powerful. And you know what's funny, Nate, as you were um, as you were sharing in my mind, literally, I had this thought. He kind of reminds me of David, you know, the author of the Psalms. And then out of your mouth, well, the author of some of some of the Psalms. But then out of your mouth, you're like, I teach a course on the Psalms. I'm yeah. like, oh, of course you do. And the idea that so I can't remember the percentage. But I remember hearing that there's a big percentage of the Psalms are laments. Yeah, it's the most common form of Psalm in the book of Psalms. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, when we go through something hard and we're crying or we're like you said, it, God, did I do something wrong? I truly can relate to that. And listeners, I'm guessing every one of you, when you hit those dark times at the very beginning, those thoughts come. Yeah. I think that's human nature. I did something wrong because obviously it, I wouldn't be going through this if I was doing everything right. But that's so not true. And the enemy just loves to fan that. But, but the idea that, hey, King David was honest and he lamented a lot, a lot, and asked questions like, God, where are you? And how good of our God to have that incorporated in his word. He knew that we would need to read those words and go, this is the way that it works. But then most Psalms, God, it's awful, it's awful, it's bad, no, 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 no. but God is good and I'm gonna be okay and everything's fine. Like the hope is there, the swoop up is like, whoo, okay. And we need to do that ride with, with the authors and have that, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one in this. And that- um, my, my favorite and I- it's my favorite, but I don't even can't even tell you exactly what Psalm it is. But the one that says, "Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God." Um, yeah, Psalm forty-two. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I got a bad memory. Nate. That's okay. 
Psalm 42. I mean, the contrast where he really is downcast. He is downcast. And yet he's lecturing himself, you know, but back and forth. But anyway, um, okay, I, I, Abby, I just want to hear um, your, your heart in all this and what brought you hope as you're trying to, you know, hold down the fort and, and help Nate, but then your own questions and inner turmoil and stuff like that. Uh, it's there. It's real. <laughs> um, I'm actually naturally just my personality is I'm a panicker. I'm a freaker outer. I'm a fearful person. Um, and so my nature up against the nature of mental illness, um, they, they butt heads a lot and it, it brings out a lot of my flesh. And so, um, you know, for the first couple weeks, <laughs> well, so truthfully, when it all initially went down in July of 2015, I was very heavily medicated. And so I have memories, but I was also <laughs> on, I had just come out of back surgery. So um, Boy, maybe that was the hand of the it Lord. It was a mercy. Huh? <laughs> drug her. Exactly. Then, yeah, that's right. Yeah. She needed to be anesthetized for me. So. <laughs> But it was, um, so, you know, and I remember going through it and I remember just being confident, God's holding us, God's holding us, God's holding us. And then, um, but this has tested, it has brought my faith to a place it's never been before. And I remember saying before all this happened, I was telling a friend, like, I've been a Christian forever and I feel like my faith has never really been tested. So this is probably all my fault. Um, but it brought me to a place of, um, when, so I held it all together when it was all initially happening. Um, but when Nate and I went to his first appointment with his psychiatrist, I waited in the waiting room and um, Nate came back out and he showed me the medicine that the doctor was going to prescribe for him. And I recognized it. It was the one he had been on before, um, before the initial um, episode. And I just shook my head. I was like, nope, nope. Because I needed something to pin it on. I needed something to blame. And the only tangible thing I had was his medicine. And so I had decided that that was what caused this all. And so if we remove that and find one that works, we'll be fine. This will all be over. And um, he's like, it's okay, Abby, I trust him. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't know this man. I don't know. Um, but I, I think everything I had been holding in for the last couple of weeks, all of the convincing myself, we're going to make it through. We're going to be fine. When I saw that medicine, it just kind of all released. And I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't like this ride. I want to get off. Like, um, and so when we got home, I excused myself to go on a little walk by myself, um, which <laughs> I was still recovering from back surgery. So it's probably like a little shuffle down the sidewalk. Um, but I was just, that was, I just let God know what I thought about things. Um, and so it was started with all the whys, why us, why now, why him, why this of all things, like I could handle sickness, but mental illness, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, um, but as I went through that walk, things kind of turned to thank you. Thank you for protecting him. Thank you for protecting our family. Thank you for um, you know, providing our friend who is available and providing Nate's mom to come help. And um, so as I got closer to home, I had kind of turned my mental corner and been like, okay, we made it through. God is good. Um, but as I got closer to home, a question kind of popped up inside me that was, Abby, do you trust God? And I was like, of course I trust God. Like, look what he just did. Like, whoo, that was a doozy, but we made it. Um, but if I still had that unsettled feeling of like, Abby, but do you trust God even if he lets it all happen again? Because that was my big fear with that medicine was that it was all going to come again. And um, I knew what I should say. I knew what I wanted to say, but I could not honestly say, I trust God with this. Um, so that was my, for the rest of the day, I just had that churning in my stomach. Like, do you trust God even if, do you trust God even if? And um, by the end of the day, I couldn't, I couldn't keep ignoring it. So I went into my room, I closed my door, I got down by the bed and all I had in my mind was, um, I remember it so clearly, I had 
the interaction with Peter and Jesus, when Jesus asked him, like, Peter, do you, do you want to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom would I go? So that's what, that's where God brought me. It's like, it wasn't so much a question of, are you ready for this? Can you handle this? Um, it was a question of like, do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Because if God is as good as you say, if God is as faithful and as kind and as loving, if God is in control of everything, like he says he is, and like you say he is, then why would you not trust him? And so I just, in that moment, I was like, God, I, to whom else would I go? Like, there is nothing safer, nowhere better. Um, there is no better offer and there never will be. <laughs> and so for me, that was a really, um, a turning point in my faith of, I have nothing else to cling to, but the God that I know. And so I wish that I could say like, from that point forward, I've been nothing but, you know, this pillar of faith for my family. But yeah, um, sometimes I, I roll up my sleeves and I say, okay, let's do this. And sometimes I'm just an emotional disaster because my flesh is still very strong within me. And so um, that's kind of where I have to keep coming back to is like God and his unchanging character and what I know about him is the only thing that will not move. Um, and so it's the only safe place really for me to be. So even in my weakest days, that's what I have to keep coming back to is what I know about God. Wow, Abby. Wow, I love that. First of all, I love your honesty. <laughs> Because there's no point in any of us trying to pretend that we are always this rock solid, I am floating through life because I have faith. We're human. Jesus knew we would be, mm -hmm. I mean, he knew we, he knew we are human. So I really, really appreciate your honesty um, and your personality of being a, you know, and, um, and I love picturing you on your knees, knowing that God was not saying, are you ready to handle this? Mm -hmm. it, you know that, you know, that lie that some people actually think it's in the Bible that says God will not give you anything more than you can handle. But the reality is, of course, he gives you more than you can handle. If you could handle everything, why would you need Jesus? Right. Just go handle it. Right. Why would you need the power of the Holy Spirit if you're only given what you can handle? So I love that you on your knees realized he's not asking me, can you handle this? He's showing me who he, who he is and right. that he can handle it. And I've got to stay attached to him. Right. So, oh, I because my that. strength, I, there's nothing, I'm not even the strongest person can handle I mean, there's no, I, there's no understanding of what, what is coming your way. You can't, you can't prepare for everything. And so I'm just, I, I'm very self-aware that I need to be very anchored to a God who does not move because the wind blows many ways and I don't know what to do. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad you described your personality mm -hmm. as being the anxious type. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm also getting the sense that you like to fix things. Now, as women, I think we all share that in common. We're the fixers. Oh, you got a problem? You know, um, especially for our types of personalities, when something comes that we cannot fix, we can't put in a needy and neat tidy box like you were kind of saying it's the medicine once we get in different medicine this will go away well that would be nice <laughs> again it, as you're as you're listening to this story obviously your story is not the very same as this as as nate and abby's but all of us we want to have that quick fix and in our minds, we're like, if we just do X, Y, Z, then it'll fix and we'll go away. But life isn't that neat and tidy. It's very layered. It's very mysterious. And things come our way. And Abby, I loved how you emphasized he is the rock. He is the one. It, that's where we have to turn. That's where our hope comes from. So um, he knows he knows everything that we need. He knew that you needed to have that come to Jesus moment, as they say, where it was like, okay, 
for real, what do you choose? You gonna, gonna stick with me? You needed to have that, I, I see you, I see that you provide, I see you as the God who says you are so that you could reflect back on that visual moment where you just surrendered and said, okay, God, I can't, but you can't. And he knew that you needed that. And so now you have that moment forever mm -hmm. when things get hard and you can't do it and it's too much and your J boys are driving you crazy or whatever, you know, you can go, okay, God, I remember you are the God that I know you are. Yep. That is amazing. <clears throat> One quick question that wasn't on our list. <laughs> How did your community uh, support you? How have they been supporting you through? I mean, you're at Dallas Theological Seminary, which I have to admit, I am just so jealous. I know we're not allowed to be jealous. That's not God. But um, <laughs> I think what an incredible environment of learning and just godliness and sharpening iron, sharpening iron. And, um, and, and I'm curious how the community has helped you guys. Yeah. Well, our church has been great. Um, you know, the, the individual that I called is uh, one of my best friends and he and his family have been great when, when I need something, he's always right there. You know, if, you know, if he need, if I, I'm, so we live in Texas, so we're, you know, so I have guns, you know, you can't really live in Texas, all right? Remember, guys, for, for, yeah. for your listeners, remember, I'm the he on She Speaks. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if they ever make me nervous, he comes and takes them. Yeah, yeah. If I ever need to talk, he's right there to talk with me. Yeah. Um, you know, and having those people that, no, not everybody knows, but having those select people who know, who pray for you, who are there for you has been uh, has been just a, a godsend. Interestingly enough, uh, I wanted to be very transparent with the seminary when they hired me. Yeah. So I told them, I said, "Hey, here are my struggles. There are going to be some times when I'm just not able to teach. Yeah. There are going to be some times when I'm going to need when I'm going to need help. And to Dallas Seminary's credit, they said, "We will help you. We will give you whatever you need." You just tell us when you can't teach or when you when you're having trouble and we'll be right there. So they have been amazing when it comes to supporting me in my mental health, because I wouldn't be able to do it without the support of my department, without the support of my colleagues. And there have been times when I can't teach and I have to go to one of my colleagues and say, hey, can you go teach at this extension for me? Or can you teach my Thursday class? Because right now I'm not in a good place and I need to kind of uh, self-care, not in a bad way, but I need to, I need to tend to, you know, yeah. my mental illness and, uh, and they've been great. So, uh, so having a good community that supports you is key. Now that doesn't mean everyone understands the struggle, right? Sure. Um, not everyone understands, but having people who understand enough that they can be there for you is, has been very key for me. And I wouldn't be here uh, if, if it weren't for my support group and the biggest, uh, contributor in my support group is Abby. She has been wonderful. Um, you know, when you get, when you get married, you sort of think, you know, somebody and <laughs> then you of. get married and you get married and you learn more about them. And I'm, I, I want to tell you today, and I want your listeners to all get this from me. Okay. All right. Your listeners all get this from me. Uh, I didn't know what a gift I was getting when I married Abby, she is willing to walk with me through the most dark uh, of times. She is there for me. She's there to offer forgiveness for me when I say things that are, are hurtful and, you know, when I'm not doing well, she's there to support me. She's there to talk with me. And so she is my number one after God, of course, she is my number one when it comes to uh, kind of my support group. Um, so it's just been, it's been amazing. <laughs> if you could see Julia and my faces right now, you would see a little runned mascara and a little, you know, <laughs> glisten in our eyes. Um, oh, Nate, that is beautiful. We're, and we're not called to do it alone. God gave you Abby. He knew you needed that. He is faithful to give us what we need to go through the struggles that we go through. And that is just a beautiful testament of how God knows you and knows Abby, like how that match was necessary for all that you can give and all that you can help 
Um, but isn't it an encouragement really to all of us too, um, to be like Abby and Abby, we're not trying to, you know, <laughs> not that great. I'm really, <laughs> I can see you shaking your head. Like, Oh, do not say <laughs> we're not putting you up on this pedestal. We know. Um, however, we are to encourage one another. We are to, you know, be examples to one another and spark one another. And truly, Nate, to hear you describe how your bride has been there for you in the dark times with forgiveness, with love, with grace, it makes me as a wife want to be better in the hard times for my husband instead of the criticizer and the powder and the self-pity and the, well, what about me? You know, I, I, Abby, your example and Nate, your boldness and just, hey, I'm going to say this, yeah. has given me hope um, and it's just a stronger desire to be a better mate in the hard times. It's easy to be a good mate in the good times, right? Yes. But to be, and, and also, I'll tell you this too. I, I had a little fear and trepidation in a way of even asking that offline question of how did your community support you? I am so thrilled to hear that the seminary, they knew upfront and yet stepped right in. They were Jesus with skin on to you Absolutely. and that your church and your friends, the church can get such a the church at large, you know, the body of Christ in America today can get a bad rap and it is made up of sinners. <laughs> However, when I hear the body working well, um, like in your case, oh, it just renews my hope in, in the body of Christ at work, loving one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, being there for one another. So thank you for sharing that. Can I, can I add one thing about support? Um, one thing that's been important for me from being the not fantastic wife that I am, that struggles over here too, guys, um, <laughs> that I, I have people, um, he probably has maybe two or three people who know, um, know all of his story. I have a little bit broader of a network, but it's still pretty narrow. There's a lot of people who know bits and pieces of our story, um, but I'm a girl, I have more words um, and I have a lot of emotions and I have a lot of thoughts and I need to process things. And so I do have people um, that are very safe that I know. I think one thing that's really important for me is to have people that I know that are not just for me, but they're for me and Nate and they're for Nate. Um, they're cheering for him too, so that when I, talk about hard things, when I talk about my struggles, when I talk about um, him and things, I don't usually get too much into detail about um, his thoughts, but just, you know, that I can be very, very honest with, that they will encourage me, that they'll pray for me. I have so many people, like Julia is in one of my groups that um, I'm just very honest with, and I say, guys, I am really struggling here. Nate's really struggling today. Like, um, just to have people that I can be really honest with, because sometimes I don't want to tell Nate everything because I don't know how it's going to, you know, how it's going to tip things. And so um, for me to have some people who do know our story, but who are for us and who are for, they're not ever saying like, Abby, this is too much. Like, you've got to stop this. Or um, they're always like, we're praying for Nate. We're on it. We're like, you know, we're for you guys. It has been, I think, paramount as far as me continuing the journey. Yeah. And God is faithful in giving you that too, yeah. like where you are and what you've built. Um, it's been an honor to be in your inner circle of people to just support and love you guys, because I see all the growth and the good that comes from it. So um, it's cool to be a part of the body of Christ and to see that action um, happen. And as we talk about hope and how God actually brings hope. It, you guys in your story have, have so clearly, so clearly made it clear. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, I don't know how to word it, but you have made it very clear um, 
that it's not some mystical here, open up your brain and here's a blob of hope. It hope comes in a myriad of ways, but one big way it comes is through God's people, through friendship, through wisdom, through, through doctors, through medicine, through bosses that say we get it and we're there for you through Abby, through your groups of women that you're safe with. Um, that's how God senses hope in a myriad of, and to and through scripture. I, I should have said that first, but I mean, it's not this mystical, oh, well, God maybe sends hope to those people because they're really tuned in in a special frequency with God. Um, God wants to send hope to every single one of us, and he does it in a myriad of ways. And it's when we share stories that we can kind of highlight how that happens so that all of us start to say, yeah, I need hope. Okay, here's where I can start uh, changing my story uh, to look for that hope. So um, last question, friends, we always ask our guests, if you could leave our listeners just with one thing, what would it be? And I'm hoping each one of you will answer. Yeah, um, I would say that um, spend your time getting to know who God is, um, particularly by knowing his word. Um, because whether you have mental illness in your life or you have a miscarriage or you have back problems or your heart is something completely other, um, your world is going to shake at some point and probably at many points. And um, as much as I you know, trust Nate and trust our doctors and trust our medicine and um, trust our church and all these things, they are they can fail, they can break, but God cannot change. And so to know who God is, um, is the only thing that will be firm and steady. And it's the only thing that can keep me firm and steady. Um, when things are, um, yeah, just shaking all around me. So particularly through knowing his word, I am a huge advocate for from the beginning to the end, know it all, love it all. Um, God is the same in Genesis that he is in James and um, he's the same God that I need every day. So I would just hugely encourage people to get to know who God is and um, anchor yourself to that. Yeah. Uh, am I allowed to be a rebel and have two things? <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, You've I'm been a rebel be from the start. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm not good at following instructions. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I, for those uh, in the audience who may know somebody or, you know, themselves may be struggling with mental illness is to remember who defines you, uh, who defines you. It's really important to remember that God is the one who defines who we are. It's the mental illness doesn't define us. Mental illness is a disease. Just like if you had a broken leg, no one would think, oh, my broken leg defines me. Or if you had some other disease, well, that disease defines me. And the same thing goes with mental illness. It doesn't define who I am. God defines who I am. And, uh, and that's what we have to remember, even in the darkest place. Now, onto the second rebellious one, okay? Um, uh, look for God's goodness. Look for God's goodness. You know that verse that I read, his mercies are new every morning. Guess what? Every day when you wake up, look for God's goodness. Sometimes when I'm really struggling, uh, it's hard for me to see how God is good. And just to give you a quick story, I know we like stories on She Speaks. So um, I was uh, going out to lunch with one of my students uh, here at Dallas Seminary, and we were walking to this really fantastic taco place, um, really fantastic taco place. And as we were walking, uh, he stops and he says, oh, look at that, look at that uh, dragonfly. And he's like, that dragonfly is so cool. And it made his day. That dragonfly made his day. And you might be thinking to yourself, what in the world does a dragonfly have to do with hope? You know, why is this rebellious thought kind of on this rabbit trail? Um, but I didn't see it. And I remember thinking to myself, why couldn't I see that butterfly? It was there to be seen, 
but I, I just, I just couldn't see it. And so we're eating lunch together and I'm thinking to myself, why can't I, why couldn't I see the butterfly? And the reason I couldn't see it is I wasn't looking for it. And the same thing is true. I ended up kind of realizing is the same thing is true with God's goodness. You need to look for it. It's always there. You need to look for it. And so this, this student and I kind of coined a phrase, I actually met him or saw him the other day. And he said, keep a lookout for those dragonflies. Uh, I was sitting at, in our front, in our front lawn one day, uh, just uh, enjoying a, a rare, beautiful day in Texas. Okay. It's usually pretty hot here. And I was sitting there and this dragonfly just sort of kind of came near me and just stayed uh, flying around me like it was looking at me. And I just watched the dragonfly and it would fly off and then come back, fly off and then come back. And I thought to myself, thank you, God, you allowed me to see a dragonfly and help me to see your goodness because it's always there to be seen, but you have to look for it. Uh, so those would be my two things that I would like your uh, listeners to know. God defines who we are and look for those dragonflies because they're always there to be seen. Oh my gosh. Nate, can I like audit your classes? Is there a way to get like online? No, I only, I only, I only teach paying customers. Ah, <laughs> darn it. So I have to apply and get in and oh, okay. We'll see. If I, I was just, <laughs> man, and I was going to say listeners again, you should see Julie and I were, our eyes are like this, the goosebumps. We're showing each other goosebumps. <laughs> Great. Wow. That is wow. incredible. And it's a it's like a visual thing that God, like an idea, a concept, and then something that you can see whenever God needs to give you a little remember, look for the goodness. He can just send a little dragonfly your way. It's like Abby praying at her bed, like those visuals that can stick with us, bring us that hope. That's so powerful. Oh my gosh. This whole conversation has been powerful and I cannot thank you two enough for coming on and just so bravely sharing your story that can lead all of us to look for more hope from the God who is aching to send that hope to all of us that we might walk in a manner worthy of him and have that abundant life that Jesus Christ died to give us whether well, not whether, but when we experience the hard times and dark times along with the, the good times. He desires that that connection and desires to pour that hope into us. So thank you guys. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you so oh, much. Thank for, you for having us. It's been a pleasure. A chance to share it. I feel like I just made two new best friends. <laughs> I'll share them. Fine. I'll I, I, Julia, you're going to have to share them. Okay. And, uh, who knows? We might go on a little road trip someday and just appear at Dallas Theological Seminary. <laughs> well, fine. That would be great. We would slip right into that back of the, of the class. <laughs> you guys would be giggling the whole time. <laughs> Not incognito. all right we can chat forever but we'll let you go and uh listeners tune again tune in again next week for more she speaks stories we love you all bye bye